This is Retrospective Facilitation, a podcast for facilitators that want to make their retrospectives even more effective. Listen to industry experts, authors, and executives that advocate powerful retros, share their stories and insights on how to reflect, adjust, and become more effective. To receive updates on the latest episodes, subscribe to our newsletter at thisisretrospectivefacilitation.com and win a chance to ask questions to our guests. In this episode, we focus on sudden remote retrospectives. As many of you know, the COVID-19 pandemic is around us and is rapidly changing the way we live and the way many companies work. What if you were used to physical retrospectives and now your office is all remote? What are some tips for setting up an effective remote retrospective? That's the focus of this interview with Mark Kilby. Enjoy. Alrighty, welcome back to the show. Um, today, uh, our guest is uh, Mark Kilby. Uh, Mark, would you like to introduce yourself to the listeners and uh, tell us a little bit about uh, the work you're currently doing and what makes you passionate about it? Sure. Um, and first of all, Enrico, thanks for having me on, on the show. I really appreciate it. I know it's taken us a while to get here. So. Um, but we made it. We made it. We made it, yes. Um, so a, a little bit of my background, um, many, many years in software. So if, if some of this ends up on YouTube, they'll see the gray hairs that I, that I can uh, demonstrate. Um, and then for the last... Wow, it's almost 20 years now. Yeah, 20 years uh, working in Agile with many of those years with distributed teams. Uh, I wanted to work with co-located teams, but I seemed to find the distributed ones. And with that, eventually came up with some techniques and eventually some principles that helped both me as, as a coach and the teams to navigate this new kind of workspace. And then as the technology has changed, also, how do we adapt the practices and still keep in spirit with the Agile principles? Nice. And how did you get interested in facilitation and uh, retrospective facilitation? Mm, yeah, so um, at the time, I was a senior developer slash architect role, and I had no issues with resolving the, the, the technical problems. It was the people problems that were this, the more difficult ones. And I said, okay, I seem to have no skills in this. I need to find some skills. So I was reading anything and everything on postmortems, uh, this was the early 2000s. Uh, 2005 is when I bumped into the work of uh, Diana Larson and Esther Derby as they were uh, putting together early issues of their Agile Retrospectives book and even had a chance to attend some sessions and conferences and got to know them well. Um, they actually signed a copy of the Agile Retrospectives book. Uh, I can send you a picture. It basically says, uh, hope you figure out the distributed retrospectives thing. And they, both, and they both signed it. Little did I know, uh, 15 years later, that I would be in the thick of that. But yeah. 
but even then I was, I was trying to figure out how do I make this work online? Nice. uh, Yeah. But it's, it's always, you know, the, the, the people dynamics that I don't think we give enough credit to and invest enough time in. I certainly didn't take anything like that in engineering school. And do you feel like today you figure it out the remote uh, retrospective? Stuff? I feel like I have a better handle on it. Uh, there is always something to figure out. So, uh, as technology changes, as the dynamics change, um, you know, as we're recording this, our situations have changed dramatically with COVID nineteen, and and now everybody's remote and everyone's scrambling. And I'm, I'm looking at not how I help individuals and individual coaches, but how do I scale this solution much sooner than I had planned? Uh, so I'm, I'm looking at how do I, how do I get information out there? Uh, you know, last year, Johanna Rothman and I wrote a book on distributed agile teams. We've put some online courses. Recently, we've released a free course for those who are struggling with this. So it's it, with everyone we teach, we learn something new. So a new question pops up or some new twist. Uh, and so I, f- I feel like I'm always learning, but that's okay because I, I enjoy learning. Awesome. Yeah, I find like this is similar to the pathway I took to, to facilitation. Mostly uh, I spent my career as an engineer. I started in 2001 mm-hmm. and about four years ago, it was like similar to what you said. Well, I feel like those engineering problems I kind of like, I got a handle on, but the rest rotating around them, the complexity of the human behavior that is, uh, is really um, more fascinating and eventually more enticing than the yeah. technical challenges. Yeah, for, for me, especially in facilitation, that that's just a, a continuous learning journey. I, I start off with very traditional facilitation techniques, very structured. Um, uh, I'll just say structured for now. I'll leave it at that. Uh, but uh, then I was introduced to open space, and it was uh, amazing to me how a a very skilled open space facilitator can be present, hold the space for people to meet, but yet be totally in the background. And I thought, okay, that's interesting. And so I, in around, was it 2015 is when I did a, a deep dive into open space facilitation and I uh, took some in-person and online courses and uh, from that time ended up facilitating uh, at least twice a year, 100 to 200 person open spaces, both for companies I was working with as well as for the Agile Florida community. And and as part of that, I kept thinking, you know, how how can we raise the facilitation awareness. Maybe not everybody needs to be a facilitation expert, but how do we raise awareness of how to listen, how to balance conversations and not have anybody dominate? And and that's what led me in the last year and a half to liberating structures, which some would say that's a 
it's just a different repackaging of some techniques and it is in some ways but what i like about it is the the approach that you don't have to be an expert it that's the liberating part anyone can run these exercises and string them together and i i think the the language around liberating structures is very powerful and so you know as i start out i'm always learning what i can do to facilitate but also how can i help others facilitate uh you know, even when they're not used to facilitating. Nice. And um, I think one of the um, one of the prompts that I had for this uh, for this episode was all of a sudden remote. You mentioned COVID nineteen. Mm-hmm. We're recording this on March twenty second. Right. Hopefully, by the time people listen to this, things are a little bit better. But uh, let's hope people are now. Yeah, let's hope so. And people are going more and more remote. And uh, to, to kind of like prevent the spread of this uh, this virus, and um, I want to frame this question to you, and uh, I guess for the for the audience, something to to kind of get out of this episode. What if you are told to go remote overnight? So today it's a, it's a Sunday, tomorrow it's a Monday. You go to work, your office says if not if it's not closed already, we are, we're closed. We're all going to work remote, and you have a retrospective schedule for Tuesday. Mm-hmm. What is that person that had a retrospective done in a room with maybe post-it notes um, on a wall? Uh, what what can that person do? Yeah, and and some have already wrestled with this already as we're recording this, but um, you you need to step back and think about. What is it you're trying to achieve with the retrospective? And it's getting everyone comfortable in sharing freely what what they think is impeding the team, but also what's working. Uh, so, I, I love that you said the purpose, what you're trying yeah. to achieve, versus oh, you just use. Google Docs or no, this tool, no, that tool. No, no, because because yeah, because if you start with the tools, you're 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 shackling yourself and you're shackling your team, uh, and just you're adding to the confusion because you might step back and realize your team just needs a single shared document for the retrospective, and I've done that sometimes where it might be just a Google Doc for the entire retrospective, and the purpose might be. Oh, we've suddenly had this shift. How do we talk about this? So you might have some kind of opening or, or as, as it mentions in the Agile Retrospectives book, setting the stage, especially for something like this where it's a dramatic shift. You, you've got to give people time to express their concerns, kind of get the frustration, the anger, the confusion out in the open. Um, and so, you know, what's there, there could be different exercises that you bring in just for that. Um, so one that's actually out of the agile retrospectives book that, that could be appropriate is the ESVP exercise. Uh, so that one starts off with, it's, it's kind of a safety check. So do we feel psychologically safe to actually have this retrospective or this meeting. So the E is for explorers. I'm, I'm all for figuring out 
anything I can out of this. Uh, the S is shopper. I'm happy if I get one good thing out of this today. V is vacationer, where I'm just glad to be out of what what I've been having to deal with every day. You know, uh, in normal circumstances, that might be work, but in the time of COVID-19, it might be getting away from the news and the craziness and everything else around that. And the last one is P for prisoner. I don't feel like I have time for this right now. I don't need to be in this meeting. I can't focus on this. So you, you, you basically give this as an anonymous poll, as you're probably aware, but then you look at what are the results and what is this telling us about the safety in the room? Do we feel like we can have this conversation now? Do we need to have a different conversation? Do we need to just even postpone this? Awesome. Yeah. Yeah. I, I love the SVP. I love those, those check-in. And uh, you mentioned the uh, setting the stage from the, from Diana Nestor's book. Yeah. Uh, critical, critical piece to, to, to retrospectives. And um, I guess, this is more like a practical question again for people that are going remote overnight how do i make something like this anonymous online so it, it depends options? yeah so it it depends on um how what kind of infrastructure you're you're starting with so maybe you can use google docs maybe you can't maybe you already have chat in place maybe you don't uh, maybe well if everyone's moving to their homes uh you probably can access certain sites that you might not have been able to access within work so there are also are some anonymous polling sites that you can set up beforehand they're super simple um i think one's any poll there's a couple that i can share with you later you, you could put yeah. in the notes but there's they're usually pretty quick to set up uh, doesn't require any sophisticated registration. You basically just share a link with everyone. So I've, I've done ESVP that way. And so I don't even know who's, who's responded to certain things. But if you can't do that, what you might say is, you know, we, we have chat. You can private message me. I'm not going to reveal who voted uh, different ways, but we, we need to see how everyone voted. So I'll keep that to myself, but I'll just show a tally of the E, the S, the V, and the P's. Awesome. Yeah. Cool. So again, it's uh, thinking back to the basics. How, how are you showing and how are you demonstrating psychological safety, even in a difficult retrospective like this? Nice. And then... Um, what would you say is uh, is another thing that you uh, that you suggest people that are just going remote again overnight? Just uh, maybe like a few days of, of of notice. Now we know that it's Friday, so we are on Monday, and we know that Friday we have this this retrospective coming yeah. up. Yeah, so um, time to prepare. I, so I I would say for for a situation like this, I would keep the I would keep the retrospective very simple. Uh, any, no sophisticated exercises because people are already distracted. Uh, so something like a lean coffee, just where they can get topics out there and they can possibly, you know, group the topics and say, oh yeah, this is a lot of stuff around our concerns around COVID or our, cons 
are concerns around we don't have the right infrastructure to work from home or we don't have the right working agreements, but just getting all the concerns out and visible on a board. You could do this on Google Docs, and I've I've done this actually for years in Google Docs. I have a template that I'll I'll share with you. I don't I don't tend to use the template that much anymore, but there's also a bunch of facilitation notes in there for how do you do this remotely uh, with uh, Lean Coffee. Another thing with Lean Coffee is when some people facilitate that. Can you or, maybe, um, for the people in the audience, explain Lean Coffee? Coffee. <laughs> yeah, just like yeah. briefly. Yeah, yeah. I, I just realized that as I was saying it. So the way Lean Coffee works is you're, you're starting off with a simple kind of board. Uh, what topics do we want to discuss? What's in discussion? And what did we finish discussing? You might even want a fourth column called either learnings or epiphanies. So the way this works is everyone puts one topic per card or sentence, however you're constructing the board. So when I've done it with this simple Google sheet, I've done a three, three column table in, in uh, either a Google spreadsheet or a Google doc. And I just say, okay, here's a bulleted list. You put one topic per list, very short. Don't, don't make it long. And that way people can dot vote with pound sign in their keyboard or star on their keyboard. Uh, it's not as much fun as using the Sharpie and, or some other kind of pen to mark it, but everyone can see the votes. Um, so what happens is everyone gets the topics up, they vote on the topics they think are the most important because you usually end up with far more topics than you have time in the, in the retrospective. You might even group some of those topics. You might ask the group, do some of these seem similar and we'll vote on the groups of topics. And you might, you might hit several of the original topics based on how they're grouped. And then the, the group or the topic that gets the most votes is what gets pulled into the discussing column first. And you set a time box for that. You might set seven minutes, eight minutes. It depends on how much time you have for your retrospective. I would, I would give enough time for the individual time boxes so that you can get through four to five topics or groups of topics, however, however you've organized the first column. So with that, uh, a facilitation tip, and this is, this is in my, my, my resource on virtual link coffee. Some people get really strict about the time box, but this is a time of, again, upset, a time of emotion. Be a little bit loose with those time boxes. <laughs> Let people kind of get the frustration, the, the concerns out, you know, don't cut them off because the time box went off. Uh, I hear individuals and interactions over processes and tools is usually a good idea. So again, going back to those principles, let the people flex the time box. Don't let the time box rule the people, especially a time like this. So hopefully you get through three, four, five of those topics. And then I try to leave a few minutes at the end uh, five, maybe 10, depending on how, how much con 
how much of a conclusion people came to in some of the individual discussions. But I'll go back and say, okay, for those things that are in the done column, let's see what we learn, what epiphanies, and maybe maybe you already said it, but just kind of recap it in case somebody missed it. And so we'll kind of pull them over one by one into the learnings column and let people say, this is what I learned out of this conversation, or this is what I got out of this conversation. So you have a topic column, uh, you vote on that, and then the priorities leads into like what goes into the discussion column. Mm -hmm. And then you have an epiphany column, is that correct? Yes. Which is yes. where you kind of like yeah. do a, a, a summary yeah. of like- Yeah, so we kind of review what the conversation was. So some people will take actions out of that. Some people just say, hey, that, that conversation really helped me deal with the current situation. I really appreciate that. Or somebody say, wow, I learned so much out of that conversation. But usually somebody, somebody will get something out of the different topics. Um, but I find it's, it's very important, especially at a time of um, high tension and high emotion to have that review of what the conversation was. It, it brings a little bit of closure to, to some of the conversations, or it gets them thinking about, hey, there are some actions, even though I feel out of control in this current situation, I do have some control in this. Nice. And how much time do you leave for the epiphany time? Uh, if this was like, say, an hour? Or well, it's, like... so so if it was an hour, it, it, it sort of depends on how many people you have. Of, let's let's say, six. so I try to leave essentially at least a minute per person. So they, I, I can go down and say, all right, if I have six minutes, great. If I have 10 minutes, even better, but I'll say, okay, you've got a minute to tell us, you know, what did you get out of these topics and these conversations? And we can go around that way too. Nice. And sometimes I'll do it by topic and do a minute per topic too. Nice. And do you, at the end of the discussion, do you do the Roman voting? If, should we continue talking about this or do you? Uh, yes, this, yes, this yes, to, yeah. Okay. yeah. But I'm also, I'm also careful how I call for the vote. If somebody's trying to finish a thought during that discussion piece, I'll, I'll wait till they finish the thought and then call for the vote. Say, you know, we passed our time box. Let's see, you know, if we have, if we have a desire to move on maybe one more time or a second time. Nice. Cool. And um, any, any other suggestion that you have for, again, people that are uh, maybe struggling? And I think one thing that we, we assumed at the start of this conversation is that uh, maybe it is a safe environment mm -hmm. where people will share things. And I'm just reflecting that if your retrospective is today physical and unsafe and people kind of like don't trust each other and all of a sudden you go remote, that problem is going to be, uh, it's going to be even, even bigger. Um, let's say that people are, uh, in that in that situation, what what could be like a suggestion to mitigate that or acknowledge that they have for the uh, for this unfortunate 
facilitator that has to like manage this now online situation. Yeah. Where, so you're saying where there's not a lot of trust within the team. Yeah. And there wasn't trust already and now they have to go remote. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so it, it would rely on a few factors. Um, so in this switch to going rapidly remote, if you have a sense that there was some people helping others out in this switch, like maybe somebody didn't know the chat tool that well, or they needed help setting up something else, maybe connecting to the VPN or something, it might be good to add a column to the far left of your, your lean coffee board that just says appreciations. So was there anything positive that happened that you want to share an appreciation for, acknowledge somebody who helped during this transition? Because by showing some of that, it might build trust in others. Oh, well, Tom helped Sally with, with her VPN configuration. Maybe Tom isn't that bad of a person. I thought I really didn't like Tom before this. Perhaps so. So sometimes just making the appreciations visible. Uh, another thought is you might do a different format where team members, you and you might do this anonymously if there's if there's not a lot of trust, but just have them write down on. Um, in a like a sticky note tool and it could be a tool like uh, lino.it or maybe you have access to a paid tool like Miro or Miro but Lino Lino is free uh, and you can move sticky notes around there's another one I, th I think note app is another one that has a free version uh, there's some other tools out there where you can you can manipulate sticky notes around and the idea is you have them put down, you know, what are some of the challenges the team is facing? So this is a difficult time. What are some of the challenges? Put one challenge per sticky note. And then the whatever tool you're using, it would be helpful if you could draw some concentric circles. So you have them put the sticky notes to one side of your, your virtual board. And actually, you could even do this in, I've done this in, um, uh, Google presentation. I've done this. So even a free tool like that, you can do it. But this is, this is another one from Diana Larson. It's called circles and soup. So the inner inner circle is all right for pick those problems that the team can take action on. Those go in the center circle. Then there's another circle outside of that are there things the team can possibly influence and then the third area is what's referred to as the soup we can't take action on it we can't influence it but what can we do to more positively react when this situation comes up? So let's say um, there is some conflict between a couple of team members. 
that might go in the center circle. That's something the team members can control. And there might be a conversation around how can we resolve this, especially in this time of high tension? What, what do we need in place? In times like that, that's where I've offered as coach to say, maybe we can have a, a facilitated conversation. And so I would talk to the teams about certain tools like crucial conversations or things like that, where I've even done you know a little mini lightning talk on crucial conversations for the team. Say, okay, we've got a couple conflicts. Here's some quick tools that I can introduce you to. And if you want to use them, let's, let's have some one-on-one conversations about how you would use these and some of the conflicts you're dealing with. The next one, influence. Uh, maybe some people are struggling with some of the, the new remote tools they're dealing with, but others have uh, knowledge of those or they know who to reach. They can reach out to those people in the influence section. And the last part is uh, around the soup. So uh, some people might be home with kids and there might be young kids that don't necessarily pay attention to calendars or, or closed doors. And so you say, okay, I can't have meetings at our regular time. I, I need to find a different way to respond to the situation at home and still collaborate here with the team in this very difficult time. Can we maybe mark out some times where I know my kids are going to take a nap or I know my kids are going to be with my spouse? And those are different times where I can meet and collaborate. Other times it might be early in the morning, late at night that I know I can focus on things, but I may not be able to say pair with somebody. But these other times I will, I will map out for meetings. If we could all do that, if, if a few of us have kids, maybe that'll help us with this challenge that we're in the soup right now dealing with. Nice. So that, that's another format you might want to take. I would not do both lean coffee and that in the same retrospective. Nice. So I would say if there's, I would say if there's a, if there's a lot of tension, a lot of stress within the team, the circles and soup approach might be the better one. And basically nice. you just need something that allows you to do something similar to sticky notes and you can either draw three circles or have a picture superimposed and several of the tools will allow that these days. Nice. And uh, I think we stressed at the beginning the uh, uh, the importance of the uh, of the purpose, yes. and um, but at the um, I think we covered that. And I think uh, I don't want to focus too much on the tools, but I also want to kind of pick on your brain. Uh, what what have you tried, and what what has been uh, um, again for people that maybe are going just all of a sudden remote. Uh, is there something that you you've seen works best for people that are more or, or less uh, less inclined to use to use technical tools? And I'm, I'm thinking back like I used to be in love with Miro, and then I I realized that a lot of people I was doing this uh, retrospective on retrospective, so it was open to a bunch of people that were like new, and they they were new to the tool as well, and so there was always like a bit of a requirement to kind of like skill up on. Okay, this is how you vote in Miro. This is how you move from yes. one frame to the other. And to me, that was like second nature. But for the people that were new, it was not. And um, similar, I have was like these other team that were um, people that were not so tech savvy and they were having problem with Zoom. If 
finding out when they were sharing their screen or, uh, oh, is this, is this my screen? Is this a shared screen? Uh, and that kind of like opened my, my eyes to kind of like some of this people that maybe are like less technical, people that have been used to use two tools for their whole time and all of a sudden now they go remote. So yeah. what's your experience? What suggestions do you have for uh, so, so my, my, my favorite tool actually comes from liberating structures and it's a phrase called confusiasm. So, um, when you're, when you're having to learn one or multiple tools, and in this situation, it's really multiple tools, um, there will be confusion, but approach it with some enthusiasm, hence the term confusiasm. Um, it'll be a little chaotic and you should let people know ahead of time. Hey, we realize everyone's kind of in different places in learning these tools and getting comfortable with them. That's okay. We're going to give ourselves a little extra time and whatever we can do to help each other out. Maybe somebody has time to come up with a little cheat sheet for one of the tools, uh, but also kind of keep an eye out and an, and an ear open for each other. If somebody's struggling, um, can you help them out? Don't rely on the facilitator to do all this. So this is what I refer to in the teams as remote teams as a buddy system. So if um, each person can look for somebody who's struggling, can, can they connect with that person and help them out or kind of stop the meeting and say, hey, uh, you know, Joe is kind of wrestling with this new whiteboard tool we're using. Can we stop and, and maybe talk a little bit about how this really works again? But as you were kind of implying, Enrico, is um, give a little time at the beginning of the meetings and to walk through the tool. Uh, just, you know, here's the features we're going to use. We're not going to walk through everything. This is just, here's how we're going to vote. Here's how we're going to uh, do sticky notes, whatever it is you, you plan on doing, just make it clear. This is how we're going to do it. And if, if you don't recall, just stop and and let us let us know and we'll stop and do it again. So it's it's not going to be intuitive for everyone. So you need to give yourself a little extra time, uh, and everyone else a little extra time. Nice. And one thing I think it was Kristen that suggested is like when people feel like we're going too fast, we're going too slow. She suggested to paste little icons to have like a nonverbal communication happening through uh, through through a page through something online so that that could be a way to yeah. if people don't feel like speaking up there's a conversation going yeah and i was uh, looking i was i was digging here for um you you might know about uh some of lizette sutherland's cards mm -hmm. i don't know if you've seen some of these where she's got different cards where you know here's you know hey you've got too much background noise or or maybe maybe you're you need to uh speed up or slow down so if everyone feels comfortable and is using their video, you could do that with, with sticky notes. Actually, you can download the PDFs from her site. You don't have to buy the cards and it might be difficult to get the cards right now with shipping. But, um, but sometimes if you, if you have that visual uh, where you see people holding up, you know, the same card, like, Hey, let's move along. <laughs> you know, then, then people realize, Oh, maybe I'm talking too much. Maybe I need to just move along to the next thing. Nice. I'm going to have to uh, check out the 
confusiasm. Uh, is that is that just a word, or is one of the one of the liberating structures? It, it, no, it's it's a word you'll hear it, it, within the liberating structures community. I see. So, yeah, I see. yeah, yeah. Um, so if you and, go into their Slack community, or if you go to one of their immersions, you will quickly be introduced to the word confusiasm. <laughs> I see. Nice. And you touch on one thing that I think is pretty critical. It's about the video. And yeah. I used to be a hardliner about everyone has to have their video on, otherwise, blah blah blah. And then. I think uh, I saw recently, and then I, I, I changed my mind because there's like different contexts and it, it cannot be dictated. I think it, it brings a lot of value, but someone was on Twitter, uh, like an influencer on Twitter, it was like kind of like all caps saying, you must keep your video on. Uh, but there are situations where maybe your connection is not good. Yeah. Maybe you don't feel confident. What is uh, your take on that? And um, and how can we mitigate like not having a, a visual again, different reasons? Yeah, yeah. So I I agree that video is always better because you can see facial expressions, you can see some of the body language, and I'll even demonstrate this when I when I ask people if they can turn their video on. You know, I'll make faces at them and say, "See, you would miss if I did this." You know, you would miss that. So, you know, so if I had my video off, you know, that that's that's the loss. Um, but it could be that they don't have a separate space. They were never ready to work remote, and they don't they don't want to show the rest of their home, or they they're just very uncomfortable with that. Um, I never try to force anybody to turn their video on. Uh, and I've also been in the situation where I've had team members. Uh, with low bandwidth. And so in that case, it's using your listening skills, you know, turning, turning those up and, and really listening. And sometimes I'll even do like a little virtual seating chart at my desk here. And I'll kind of draw out who do I think is in this virtual meeting with me and I'll put names next to it. And then I'll just check off when I hear them. And if I see certain people being quiet, I might reach out maybe as a direct message in chat because I don't necessarily want to call them out and put them on the spot. Maybe something else is happening at their house that makes it difficult for them to participate. Uh, but I'll check in with them, say, hey, is everything okay? Or is there is there something you need to participate? Uh, and that will that will allow them to say you know yes or no, and and we'll deal with it uh, as 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 it will support them. So I'm trying not to put them on the spot. I'm trying to support them as part of this. Uh, but this is also where again where the buddy system comes in handy. So I might say, all right, we know we've got people online that have different experiences with the tools. Some have low bandwidth. Some can do video. Some can't. So let's let's who can who can be the the virtual buddy for somebody else and we'll do that as some of our working agreements and so in those cases i might i'll simply draw lines for who the virtual buddies are on the on my diagram and then and then i'll i'll know and if, and if somebody's kind of not holding up their end of the of the buddy agreement then i'll i'll try to help them out and with with the 
person that might be struggling. So, but this way, it's not me as facilitator trying to manage the meeting and manage the tech and manage the people, which that can be very overwhelming if it's your first time. If you can kind of, as I like to say, mob the facilitation and let the whole group help you with facilitation, uh, it becomes much, much easier. Love it. Yeah, it's uh, this one of the things that I realized uh, a little while back. It's like you're not facilitating by yourself. Even just the timer, uh, I like yeah. to involve someone in the group to say, hey, uh, who wants to volunteer to be uh, time tracking, to mm-hmm. give like a halfway through this activity, give us a heads up. Uh, again, ways to, you're, you're not alone. Uh, ways to keep uh, other, other folks involved is, uh, is, a, yeah. is, is great. Nice. Um, yeah, making the co-facilitation. Nice. Okay, I think we're we're good with time. We're about forty minutes in, and uh, I okay. thought we could go on for like oh yes, <laughs> uh, a while. Uh, I'm really enjoying the conversation as well. Um, so usually I kind of like um, wrap up with a, a few questions that I ask uh, okay. all the all the guests. Uh, one um, is uh, what is a book that you're reading right now, or that you've just finished uh, reading? Oh. I'm usually reading several at once. <laughs> so, um, so, hmm. I'm looking at my, my, my desk here. I have some physical ones and some online ones. Um, I would say none, none that, that have, have jumped out at me right now. Uh, I, I'm tending to get, actually further away from um the 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 agile the typical agile books uh so i'm i'm reading more on um uh psychology sociology things things of that nature especially as we're we're dealing with um the different dynamics within teams but the one one that um it's taken me several passes to get through it because it's very, it, it has a lot of material in it is uh, uniting the virtual workforce uh, by uh, Karen Lejeski, Dr. Karen Lejeski. Uh, she's, um, she's done some fascinating work on virtual distance. So coming up with a measurement of uh, how can you tell how distant people are? So this is a combination of not just physical distance, but, organizational distance and relationship distance. And, and so that, that book has been a, a, a fascinating read, but it's one of those where you read a little bit and you need to step away for a while and think about the implications of what she said, because there's quite a bit in there. Yeah. Nice. Love it. Um, and then the next one is, uh, what is one activity that has worked, uh, a retrospective activity that has worked well for you and uh, in which context? was um well we we've already talked about two <laughs> so lean coffee and uh well actually three lean coffee and esvp and circles and soup those are those are some of my um favorites in, in difficult situations um another one that i don't use often but i find I find it's helpful even with distributed teams is, is it's called uh, making the magic happen. 
And it's from a, a book called Project Retrospectives by Norm Kurth. So Norm introduced Diana Larson and Esther Derby to each other. So he he's the one responsible for getting those two together to write the Agile Retrospectives book. But um, in, in this exercise, uh, the way he phrases it is, you, you might have gone through, there's been some, maybe some good conversations, but you feel like something's missing. And so as facilitator, you might say, you know, we've, we've had, we've had some good discussion. We have some actions. I wonder if there's one more thing we need to talk about. And then you just let the silence stay there. The times I have done this, and, and sometimes I've waited quite a while <laughs> for, but the times I've done this, sometimes it gets the teams into some very deep and productive conversations about what's really bothering them. What are they really struggling with? So you don't want to do this in the last five minutes of a retrospective. Uh, you want to, you want to give yourself a little space for this in case, in case the team is doing this. So I've done this in longer retrospectives, uh, and given like 15 minutes for, for this part. But, um, also too, if it's a short retrospective and you feel like there's something that hasn't been brought up yet and you know, it's bothering some people, you might bring that up and say, okay, what is that one thing? And if it comes up, then you might say, okay. We're almost at our time box, but you know, this sounds important. So if you want to stay and talk about it, we can do that now, or we can maybe set some time tomorrow. I wouldn't go beyond tomorrow if, unless it's a Friday, you know, you know, at the end of the week, but giving them that time to think about, oh yeah, we really should talk about this one key topic, this one key pain that we're all experiencing that that's, that's been a, that one has been useful. Nice. Awesome. And then uh, the next one is, what is your favorite food? You have to pick one thing. <laughs> Much to my doctor's dismay, it is still pizza. <laughs> oh, that's good. You are my, uh, you are my favorite guest. <laughs> hey, it's um, got all the, all the important food groups can be included on a pizza. So. No meat on it. Oh, uh, no. I no pineapple. Oh, well, yeah, I can deal with pineapple. Yeah. Um, cool. Uh, so is there anything that we missed? Um, uh, any project in the pipeline? Anything you want to share before we... Uh, yeah, so um, they can find out, uh, your guests can find out everything I'm up to by going to my website, uh, markkilby.com, M-A-R-K-K-I-L-B-Y.com. Uh, you can see the courses I have, and there is now a free course up there that Johanna Rothman and I put together uh, for those who've gone rapidly remote. It has about 45 minutes total of video and takes you through some questions that maybe will help guide you and your team. Uh, we're not spamming you. So, you know, we're not collecting email to market to you later, but it's just with everything that happened, we set up that course. We do have some paid courses. So if you did like the free one, we would love for you to explore the others, but you don't have to. Uh, certainly you can also get book there. I have many articles and blog posts for remote teams and, uh, also have ways to, to reach out to me. Uh, I'm on Twitter, LinkedIn, and you can reach out to me through my website as well. Cool. Awesome. 
Um, so and how can so the listener can find you on markleby.com all the links yes. are there for Twitter yeah. and everything else. Cool. Yeah. Um, Mark, thank you so much for taking the time. Thank you, Enrico. Our guests share lots of insights and ideas. Are you going to tweak anything in your next retrospective based on what you've heard today? Tell us on Twitter with hashtag thisisretrospectivefacilitation or leave us a comment on thisisretrospectivefacilitation.com. I've opened up a Slack channel, so if you're locked in and want to bounce ideas off other facilitators about retrospective designs or just want to share some stories, you can head to thisisretrospectivefacilitation.com slash slack. Everyone is welcome. If you would like to get in touch with Mark, head to thisisretrospectivefacilitation.com slash e19. You'll find his contacts and all the show notes. Thank you for listening. This is Enrico Teotti. Till next time.